Chemtrails is intended for mature audiences only. Thanks for tuning in to the Kim Chills podcast, where you get the latest topics within the culture with the uncensored, unscripted facts and opinions from our crew. Yo, this is Black Morris, and you're tuned into the Chemtrails podcast. What up, ladies and gentlemen? Once again, it's your boy AP. It's your favorite podcast, favorite podcast. It's the Kim Trails crew. Got my boy Mo Chris and Trey the Dre in the building. How y'all fellas doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, man. Feeling good, feeling awesome, man. Very excited about today's episode. Yeah, man. Today we got a very special episode for our listeners out there. It's going to be a, a treat for you guys. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get it kicked off with uh, what's on your mind. Mo Chris, what's on your mind, my brother? Well, what's on my mind is, well, I'm just going to go ahead, even though I know you hosted it. Today, we're going to talk about <laughs> Malcolm X. I just I just had to because it's, it's on my mind, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, bro. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I hope y'all hear the excitement in my voice, though. But Malcolm X, we're going to talk about him today. May 19th is his birthday. So, and in honor, I just felt like, hey, fellas, let's do a show on Malcolm X. So, what's on my mind is is that his birthday is May 19th, and today we're just going to pay homage to him. Also, I wanted to let everybody know how much a family man he was before we start, because, you know, we hear the the goods, the bads, the odds, the the everything surrounding Michael Max, the controversy, the good things, the bad. So, but we always tend to forget about the family man. So first, I just want to tell everybody like how much a family man he was, and he was the father of three girls. You know, we all hear girl dads too. So, but how do y'all feel about that? Man, you know, I just want to speak on it just a little bit too, because I mean, from the moment I found out, since the moment we discussed this was going to be the topic, been like basically on my mind consistently. I just think that those situations where, we, where you have this polarizing individual whose intellect and ability to orate and his sense of self was just so towering. And I think that that's what a lot of our young men today, they fail to, to capture that and, and hold it in themselves. Like this is a man who you know, he was like a lot of brothers. Like, if you, you could put a lot of brothers in his place, coming out young, got a record, got in trouble, but found purpose. And that's the thing that I feel like this young, this is one of those things where it's like, if ever there was an inspirational kind of figure, if, there, if, there, if ever there was a, a figure that should, should show you that there is a way past what the world seems like it's trying to give you, if you're willing to go out and take it, this man was that example. So I look at it and I say that I'm very excited, just like more Chris about this episode. I cannot wait to dive in on this man's life, his legacy, and, and what everybody should be taking from it. Yeah, man. My little piece about Malcolm X is ever since I was young, I mean, I always felt like Malcolm X has been a part of my life. My dad actually has a, a portrait of Malcolm X in our den, and it's that famous pose where you know he's sitting in that chair with the two fingers on his chin like like he's contemplating and every 
time I go by it, it's like it just I, I just stop, you know, and I just used to look at it like, man, I wonder what was on his mind, like what's going through his mind. And just the, his principles and the way he came up and how he tried to make it better and taught people how to fight back, kind of always, and I like Martin Luther King episode when he's talking about Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X, how Martin Luther King would have been the T'Challa and Malcolm X probably would have been Killmonger. I'm more mm -hmm. of that Killmonger mentality. That's why I feel like I can relate more to Malcolm X because he, you know, like he said, by any means necessary, so... Yeah, man. Like I said, we got a we got a, a good episode today, and we're gonna go ahead and jump in to the takeoff. want to be part of the chemtrails family join the group you can find us on facebook and ask for access to our group you'll be one of the first to know everything chemtrails all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the chemtrails podcast like i said we on a takeoff we're gonna jump right into this thing First question, I'm going to hit to Trader Dre. And Trader Dre, the question I have for you is, why do you think that Malcolm X was so feared from his peers? What was the thing that they just feared the most from Malcolm X that, you know, they was like, man, we got to take this guy out? You know, it's funny you ask me that. So one of my greatest exposures, uh, let me just say it like that, to Malcolm X was, um, was through one of my personal mentors, and that was Dr. J. Herman Blake, um, who at the time was an uh, assistant professor at uh, UC Santa Cruz. And he got the opportunity and the ability to spend basically like a full year with Malcolm X following an interview with him. So a lot of my learning about Malcolm X came through that lens and it was kind of shaped by my professor in that respect. And one of the biggest things as far as what I could take away from this man was that his intellect and his ability to accept a change and to adapt was was staggering. And when you have an enemy that is just that people really can't place their finger on and say, we, we know exactly what he's going to do, that makes them afraid because now they feel like they can't control them. So I looked at it and I said, that's one of the things I took away from, from my mentor. But I know it's a lot of people out there that have studied a lot more on this man. So I'd love to hear what Mo Chris got to say on this <laughs> one because I've been dying. I've been waiting for this all week since, since this has been, it even been a, a discussion. I'm like, man, I can't wait to hear what Mo Chris got to say on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, please enlighten me. What, what you think, Mo Chris? Well, why was he feared? Well, you got to understand at the time, especially in the 60s, there wasn't anybody speaking like that at that time. I mean, there was people that were speaking like that, but we talking about to the masses on a mass scale. He had, like I said, there's a number of reasons why he's feared. 
but his ability to handle himself in front of the camera, whereas to the dominant you know society, they weren't expecting it. So it's like, is he going to be a problem or is he not going to be a problem? And if at the time we're going to get more deep into it, when we have the FBI, they make no bones about it. Like, we fear the black messiah. And you got to understand, if there was going to be a black messiah, this man, nine times out of ten, probably is the the one that fits the mode. He fits all the criteria. He He has the people. He's galvanizing everybody, and he's just speaking truth. Doug, you you are li- man. You can't say it no better than that because honestly, you gotta think about it. Like in his life, he was like fresh out of jail and like yeah. was like fifty two, and came into like the Muslim organization fresh out of jail. Right, joins mm-hmm. the temple in nineteen fifty two. By 1953, he done tripled the membership. <laughs> yeah. Like, Black Muslims was like basically like four or 500 people. It wasn't even a thousand people. But yeah. he's grown their ranks, like for the whole organization, just in that one place he was he was at. So I look right. at it, I was like, the, the government is sitting there looking at it like, hey, this, this dude is making miracles happen. What happened? <laughs> is right. he? Is he? And- <laughs> and see, I, I'm glad you you, you said that because like I remember we was talking about how how you was talking about how you saw Hidden Colors. It was a scene in Hidden Colors where Dr. Umar said that you had the Nation of Islam, you had the Black Panther Party, and you had the oh, what was the other Marcus? Anyway, Marcus. And he said all all those movies had in common was they all provide medical, they all provided food, they all you know shelter. So at the time when you have, at this time, what black people was going through, the Nation of Islam provided security, health, provided food, clothing. And so this was the popularity. Now, Elijah Muhammad came to America and um, I don't want to say saved a lot of lives, but he brought the knowledge of self to a culture of black people that have been beaten, been robbed, raped. I mean, all these things that have been happening to the American black people. So when going to us, to Michael again, when Michael came arose, and you had mentioned when he found a nation coming out of jail, he had the teachings of Elijah Muhammad. Now, I'm no Muslim, all right? So I'm just going to tell that to the fans out there. I'm no Muslim, but I am speaking very highly of Malcolm X and the nation at this time, because you got to understand what they was doing for the people. Man, I got to say, so was it, do you think it was it was him they feared? Or do you think it was like that platform that he stood for? Because the Nation of Islam had a lot of ideas primarily about doing for self. So yeah. they were a very counterculture mm-hmm. to the whole integration movement at that time. Because they were like, no, we don't need you. As a matter of fact, That's why we call ourselves the nation. We can support ourselves. We are capable of sustaining ourselves, our nation, and growing it within ourselves. And that, I think, 
I was wondering, like, do you think that that was what was more feared than anything else? Was that there was a charismatic leader mm-hmm. that could actually challenge government rule at that time? I want to say that was it because you got to understand Malcolm. See, when you were saying he had truth, that's why I want to name this episode Truth to Power. When you speak, he's speaking truth and he's leading by example, right? He's doing everything he says he's doing. Now, if you had the ideology of the nation and you had Michael doing his thing, so you, you could see where the class was. And so when they saw a way to attack, you know, I'm talking about the people in power. When they saw a way to attack, they exploited that. So they know that, like, hey, this man is, he really is the one. He's the true person. But if we can play on the hearts of getting opposing sides against him, you see what I'm saying? Then we have a talk. So it's like we had that fear. And then now once we, once they saw a way to get close to him, where it led to his assassination, then I think that's when the fear came of God. Because at the time, you had Martin Luther King, too, with the civil rights movement. So you had to, like what uh, AP was talking about, the killmonger and the uh, T'Challa mentality, the nonviolent. And remember, he was not violent. A lot of people, he he didn't speak on violence either. I want a lot of people to, to remember that, too. He was just saying, take up arms when against you. That's all he was saying. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Man, that, that's funny you say that, man, because it's like, well, that was one of the key principles that he spoke at in an interview he did back in, like, 63, when people were like, they have this violent tendency or this violent persona that follows them. And he was like, this was basically right after the bombing in Birmingham, and he was like, as far as I know, the Nation of Islam has never bombed any church, killed any mm-hmm. little girls. We've never gone out and lynched anybody. We've never gone out and purposely instigated violence against anyone. And so for anybody to say that we are not within our right to defend ourselves, and he kind of brought that point home, and I was just like, yeah, why should you be labeled violent because you have the audacity to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to preserve my life and my family's life at the expense of someone else's if they attack me. That is the most American thing anybody can say. <laughs> as far as you I'm know, Malcolm X is the, the person, the picture of a man, of a black man that you see that has too much knowledge. That's what makes him dangerous. Hey, Chemtrail listeners, if you out there and you're making a positive impact in your community, well, we would love to showcase your work. Just email us at chemtrailspodcast at gmail.com.
I'm gonna shoot it over to my my boy Mo Chris. So Netflix has a documentary called Who Assassinated Malcolm X or Who Killed Malcolm X. Before I ask you the question, I just want to throw out a real quick gem. So in the documentary, it's basically focusing on how he got assassinated, who was all involved and all that stuff. But they never really get to the, the truth about it. And it's funny that Mo Chris keep talking about Malcolm X and the truth. And the truth is not in that documentary. So I'm going to throw out a real quick gem before I ask Mo Chris this question. The truth about his assassination was that there was three brothers that rushed the stage that had guns, but were their guns loaded? The next one is before Malcolm X went in that ballroom to do his speech a day before, I think it was a day before, two days before. Yeah. The government had already went in that ballroom and basically staked it out. And so two guys, I don't know if they was government officials or military or what was actually up in the attic. And so the reason why I say that is because when they got the autopsy back from Malcolm X assassination, they, the trajectory of the bullets was actually coming down instead of mm. going like parallel. It was coming down like it was coming from the ceiling. Like I said, they were in the attic. So, I mean, everybody do a little research. And, I mean, you ain't got to believe what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is that the people who you think killed Malcolm X didn't kill him. That's all I'm saying about that. I just had to throw that little quick gem out there. But my, my <laughs> brother Mo Chris, man, what you think about that that documentary, man? Obviously, you could tell I didn't care for it from the comments I just said. But what you think about it? <laughs> nah, I ain't, I ain't too much care for it either. But... I don't even know where to start. <laughs> the documentary, like you said, it was just a much about nothing. It kind of went into some details about how they investigated everything, but, and it just went like, yeah, it's a cold case and that's it. Like it, I mean, they had the people, they, they gave in a lot of names. Then you had the investigators that was on the like, yeah, we, I was, I was wiretapping them. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, come on. So I even have some criticism for the the guy, the the one I want to say he was the the main the narrator, or whatever that was walking around. He giving tours, and uh-huh. there's nothing wrong with giving tours about, but it's like all his fleet of trains was all Caucasian. Like I don't know. Hope y'all don't take that the wrong way, but hey, shit, like, but I mean, if if he was really out there doing work that he say he was doing. I think that crowd have been a little bit more diversified. That's all I'm saying. But other than that, other than that little small criticism, I, I didn't like the documentary because, like I said, if you if we're gonna talk about Malcolm X and then especially if you're gonna not title it "Who Killed Malcolm X," I mean, yes, the title gets you watching, clicking on it and stuff. They had a lot of people they had to interview. I mean, everybody's saying the same thing though. So that's all my thing. And and I looked at all the episodes the first episode i feel like from the last it the same episode it was just the one piece i was waiting to hear is uh how come they never interviewed or how come they never talked about that dude that ran up on the stage and gave malcolm x cpr because even farrakhan said he won part of the nation and anybody knows that you know you don't give a person cpr when they've been shot right unless you're trying to kill him so yeah, and but you know one thing the documentary did, did did show is like I was saying before it showed the divide and conquer tactic. It showed it showed everything well played out. Yeah, 
I mean, they went on both arguments. They they went in depth about his relationship with the Nation of Islam. And and I thought it was interesting they pointed out his last year. I think that's something I need to probably research more too on to Malcolm X's last year because a lot of things happened in that year. Yeah, he and, changed his name and everything, right? Yeah, and the surveillance and him going overseas, him meeting world leaders and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting. I rather them have a documentary about that. That would have been more impactful. But just the this bait and switch thing that kind of was throwing on us with this documentary, eh, you know, I'm not feeling it. But oh yeah, going back to the counterintelligence before I uh, hand it over. Talking about the J. Edgar Hoover at this time, you know, he was just a monster. He was he had an agenda and he he fought it all the way through. And I just wish that at the time that been more calculated and sealed. But like I said, I, I, we didn't live in those times and we know it was a hectic time just like it is now. So I thought of the total disrespect, though, and we just bought into it. But other than that, that's all I had to say about documentary. I appreciate you, Drake. Trader Dre, you seen that documentary? No, I I wasn't really interested in the idea of it. Okay. Because I've kind of looked into it a little bit myself, and I knew I didn't want at that time. You know how you're not ready for stuff? I kind of got my mind made up on the issue, and I already know that whoever it was that had the gun that, that ended up fatally killing him, they were an agent of an organization. It wasn't just some random person, okay? It wasn't just some like, oh, we got some hatred in our heart for this individual personal beef. I knew it was an agenda out there, and I know that this man was standing for something. And the fact that his life was going through so many changes, the fact that he had begun reorganizing his affairs including changing his name and and as well as changing his associations i think that that spoke volumes for the level of change that he was prepared to take as a person and i think that that was that was terrifying both to the u.s government and that was terrifying in some aspect to don't get me wrong to the black muslims because here's a man that had become quickly one of their most prominent figures. And here he stood on the precipice of great change in his views. And, you know, you got to ask yourself politically, monetarily, and I hate to say it like that, but that's the way it always comes down to is monetarily. What was the risk for all parties? And so if it wasn't one, it was going to be the other. And that's where I, you know, that, that's where I stand on it. You think if he would have never got shot, you you think his or Malcolm organization would have been ultimately like bigger than the nation? I think Malcolm was a polarizing figure. I think ultimately there would have been some sort of distinction. And I think that ultimately there would have been some unrest within the nation but I don't know where that would go. I, this is what know? I think. If Michael never got shot, I think the nation still would have been as big as it is. I think Michael Mex would have came to a realization about religion as a whole 
And you know how like we had the the black conscious movement in the 90s, the late 80s. We had the Dr. John Henry Clarks when we was going to Egypt and stuff like that. I think Malcolm X would have jump started that. And I think, yeah, but anyway, yeah, go ahead, AP. Yeah, go on that note, yeah, we about to, yeah, we got to, we got to keep this rolling because y'all about oh, to, y'all diving in rabbit holes right now, man. Yeah. Now we talking about what if he was still alive? Oh, man. Well, man. well, first of all, let me just throw this little bit out here. Our world would be so different if the concept of cryptocurrencies would have existed earlier. Like, you got to... I mean, just so different. Because if you can imagine this just for one minute, just for one minute, the leadership of a group like the Nation of Islam having the ability to create their own currency and moving from a leadership base that goes Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, and then moving, rolling right on into like Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan is not Malcolm X. Louis Farrakhan is a unbelievably much higher level economic force than anybody that has ever run that organization has ever been. So could you imagine if that would that kind of technology would have been in their hands at that time? I don't know if the U.S. government would have stood a chance in terms of being able to stop the growth, being able to stop the swell, being able to stop the mass accumulation of assets because that this is an organization at some point they had it like on terror list but yet they can't stop them because as an organization they own so much but you, and I just, you also I just forget and we we'll leave, now leave it on this you also can forget yeah, man. they make deals they, they do. make deals they do so Oh, Chris, go ahead, go ahead, AP. Hey, yeah, man, I'm trying to. I'm trying to, man. Y'all, 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 y'all won't let me. No, that no, we gonna jump into the cruising altitude. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has now turned off the fastened seatbelt sign, and you may now move around the cabin. However, we always recommend to keep your seatbelt fastened while you're seated. In a few moments, we will be passing around the cabin to offer you hot or cold beverages as well as breakfast, dinner, supper, a light meal, and or a snack. Alcoholic drinks such as champagne, wine, and a full liquor list are also available at a nominal charge with our compliments. Also, we will be showing you our video presentation. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight.
have a motto uh, which tells somewhat how we intend to bring it about. Our motto is by any means necessary, by whatever means Welcome back, Kim Trails family. As you can see, we got another hot fire die line episode, man. Start calling them die line episodes, man. Spitting that hot fire. My boy Mo Christian, Trader Dre, they feeding off each other right now. I want to keep that same energy going into the cruising altitude. And the next topic is going to be basically that killmonger mentality. It's kind of piggybacking on what we talked about in our previous episode with Dr. Martin Luther King, with him being a T'Challa and Malcolm X being a, the killmonger. So this question is for you, Trader Dre. How is Malcolm X's image, how has it impacted the community going forward, thinking about that, that killmonger mentality? Say you see a cop doing something disrespectful. It's like it, you've, you're obligated to step up. You know, you see, might see your sister or your fellow brother getting disrespected or getting abused, and now I got to do something about that. How do you feel like? Malcolm X has impacted the community. Mentality. Right? No, no, you yeah, said it perfectly, man. Okay. You said, you said it perfectly. I want trying to Mentality. Yeah, mentality, man. This is one of those things where it's funny. It's so funny you ask this because it's like I'm literally, I was rewatching the interview my mentor did with Malcolm X. And a similar kind of scenario came where there was a co-host, or, or I guess he was the lead host. Uh, I don't know exactly what his rank was or what his position was, but he was a white guy, and he asked the question concerning the lack of involvement by the nation of Islam, right? So there was a bombing of the church. There was all these demonstrations, and black people were being attacked. And the question was, why didn't the Nation of Islam step up and do anything about that? And it was a sense of mentality. And Malcolm's response was absolutely perfect in regards to it because he basically spoke about what is expected and what happens. So when people go into a situation, they expect a certain thing to happen and they don't reasonably think about what's going to go on at that and that the very thing that everybody else can logically see is then you set yourself up for that. And if you didn't give yourself a plan B, if you didn't give yourself a course of action that you would take when the expected and the predictable outcome occurred, then you were kind of, then you were a fool. Mm-hmm. Man, but I'm a, I don't want to cut you off Trader Drake, but what okay. you just said, man, damn it. The birth of a nation. Dang, what are you talking about? Playing. The, so when Nat Turner killed his master and then, you know, he basically rallied the troops and then the, the house slave came out and he's like, man, what have you done? You done killed us all. You killed us all. That's exactly what you're saying. Because like I said, if you don't have a plan B, Nat Turner's just like, man, I'm tired of the situation we're in. Let's just kill him. Not thinking yeah. about the, the repercussions that's about to happen because of that. Now, all these people about to die because of what you did. Right. So his, and his response was, it was a, it was actually, for him, it was a matter of the nation is going to move. 
but when they move, they will move with purpose. And I thought that was the, that was the most that was the that was it right there. This is a man that is speaking on the issue of when we move, we will move and we will move in a way we choose to move. We will not move because we're reacting. We will move because we have planned this out. We have seen A to Z. And that's when that's when this motion begins. So I, I yeah, that's what I was yeah. saying. No, man. <laughs> what yeah. you got, Mo Chris? Oh, yeah, man. First, first of all, that was amazing what Trey said. What I was going to say is we was talking about the impact that Malcolm X with the Killmonger mentality, right? So if we go back to Black Panther, right, when it was originally created, the comic book, not the, you know, 2015 right. movie. Not, not the Marvel movie. Yeah, not the Marvel movie. Right. So we're talking about, I looked it up. It said July 1966, right? Martin Luther King passed in 1968. So when we talk about the Killmonger mentality, we're talking about the Malcolm X mentality. So we knew that Stan Lee had to curate, at least had some type of influence in his, in his characters between those two great men. Right? I have to say their names. We know those two great men. So... <laughs> When we we talk about Malcolm X mentality, we're talking about the mentality of a fighter, a person that stand your ground. You know, not no Florida law with the guns and stuff. No, we talking about a real stand your ground law. We talking about your God given right. You see what I'm saying? We we'll repeat that. I don't think they hit nobody. We talking about your God given right. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeling it, boy. Oh, my God. We talk about the God-given right to live on this earth. And we don't just say, I'm going to just stay black and die for a reason. That's a real meaning if you really think about it. So when we talk about Malcolm X mentality, we're talking about a mentality where he, when you put mind over matter, when we speak truth to power, when we, when we stand up for things that we know that isn't right. So that's how I feel like the that he impacted the community. He lets you know that he led by example on this is how you should act and this is what you should look out for. Even when he found new information, when he ultimately did say, you know what, I'm going to go my own route, whatever he had. Right. He did that with class. Everything he did was, was straightforward. So that's all I wanted to say about the Malcolm X mentality. I like how both of you guys say about Malcolm X, how he's being able to speak in front of the camera. Like, cause if you notice like back in the day, they were already agitated and frustrated. So, you know, right. reporters was probably trying to pry like, man, I just want to get this dude. Cause if they could get him to blow up one time that it discredit everything he ever talked about. Just, man, I'm tired of you motherfucker. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, see, we knew it. We knew it. That's yeah. Like angry man. But yeah, yeah, I just I, I appreciate how you guys were able to elaborate how Malcolm X was able to keep his composure throughout the whole time, even when they was testing him. Because nowadays, you know, I don't know, man. I, yeah. We ain't got that. We ain't got that same patience. Yeah, they don't make them <laughs> like they used to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm but getting saying. back on topic, back to Trader Dre. As far as the financial aspect with uh, Malcolm X, how how do you think economically Malcolm X affected the community in the past? present and going forward man so 
I look at that and I say, okay, well, there, there's examples of it, but right. I would be not the person. I wouldn't be the person that would be able to speak to that in terms of saying I know what his affairs look like. Right. What I can speak to is what he had spoke of, which was what was the party line for the Nation of Islam. And that party line was, we can do for self. We can build for self. We can create for self. And they, although they use the term segregation, which I will not ever stand by myself personally, but that's just my personal choice. Like I said, other people, all for it. Hey, do what you do. But what I will say is, from an economic standpoint, if they, if he stood by what the party stood by, if he stood by what his his religious leadership was instilling, then it was a recipe for success. And I can only assume that in that, what you saw was a unifying of capital, a unifying of resources, and the impact of that would have been enough to shake a city, shake a state, shake a nation. What I have noticed, though, is that now that he is gone, now that his image is out there and for the masses, this is the one thing I would say. I wish there would have been someone that would have copyrighted the image, copyrighted his, trademarked his his speeches, done all those things to to make it so that other people could not profit from what he was doing. Because, I mean, I remember being in, in high school and college watching documentaries on Asia as Black influence and, and rap culture was kind of infiltrating the, the Asian atmosphere. You got, like, Asian kids walking around with Malcolm X t-shirts, and they, they, think, they think he a rapper. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what he was fighting for, what he stood for. They just think, oh, it's a cool t-shirt. It's got a Black guy with a gun. And that's all the world will know of this man. They will not know of his philosophies. They will not know Mm -hmm. of his, but they'll have that image of by any means necessary, him standing by a window shade with a rifle. And that was not, and that's been monetized enough to pay his grandkids, 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 grandkids. But that money didn't go to his family. That went out to the masses that stole his image completely corrupted it under their messaging and again subverted what he really stood for yeah you know a lot of that goes back to uh, us respecting our leaders and stuff like that because you know we was you see the flowers but the unique thing about malcolm x is that his name with the x you know you could do a lot of things with it a lot of graphic t-shirts posters and he did took some great pictures. And you notice all his pictures always been in front of the podium, him thinking and, and stuff like that. So, and like, like Trader J said, his family is not getting any of those residuals. So, and I, I just, the mass market and then of people comparing him to be violent or speaking of violence, like, no. But it's the image, and like we said, when we were talking about Black Panther, and we talk about all these other images, is that we want to we want to paint him that guy. We want to make him, and when he's standing in front of the window, he really had to stand in front of the window, and because you know he was really had threats on his life. But we won't know that. We'll think, oh man, Michael Bass about that life, like, like we. we they'll, gotta, they'll, make, they'll make it seem like he's just uh, some some thug standing by right. a window. But in reality, it's like no. 
it was people coming after him, and they were willing to come after his family. And so, yeah, he's utilizing his God-given right, his American-born right, Mm-hmm. To defend himself, his property, and his family in his pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. But no one will ever, they will, they'll never say that story. Yeah, they and I didn't mean to cut you off there, Mo Chris, but, you know, just in the process of this, this discussion, here goes something that nobody else is going to say. No one will ever, I don't think anybody else is going to say this. Hey, y'all, for all our listeners out there, if there's a leader out there, if there's someone saying the things that need to be said, y'all better go ahead and make sure that if something happens to that person, we buy up all the rights. We own that 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 message. We own that narrative. We own mm-hmm. all the images. Don't let them tell the story because they will tell the story in a way that suits them, not that suits the truth. So let's think, think about ownership in a different way because you need right. to own the story. And that's something we nobody ever says. Speaking right. of ownership, just a little quick fact. Little Richard just died. What was it like a week ago? Yeah, yeah, about a week ago. So he didn't own any of his masters. So when Michael Jackson bought the Beatles, they actually own Little Richard's stuff. And he once he bought the Beatles, he gave Little Richard his masters, like all his rights, free of charge. Mm. An amazing thing. Yeah. And that came from ownership. Exactly. Owning your own creativity. Exactly. Think, think about that. So that's what I say. If we, if you got a leader, if you got anybody out there that is a black man that is a social figure, do not ever let someone else own their message. Don't let somebody else own their story. Don't let somebody own the Nipsey's. Don't let anybody own the Jay Z's. Don't let hell. Do not let somebody else get their hands on Kanye's story. I'm going to tell y'all right now, don't <laughs> let him get Kanye's story. <laughs> Kanye going to write his own story. Yeah, yeah. It's already wild enough. Don't let somebody else get their hands on it. That, it'll get perverted in a way you would never believe. Oh, man. So I'm going to say this, not just as a Chicagoan or anything like that, but no, for real. We have people out there doing things. We have had people out there doing things. And the narrative is not ours. It's not owned by us. So we need to make sure that that is something we take with us. Man, that sounds like the perfect segue to the landing. I like that. Appreciate you there, Trader Dre. All right, Mo, Chris, I got a question for you, bro. If Malcolm X was still alive today, who would you like to see him debate? Mm, Good question, good question. I would like him to see him debate really not one particular person, not one person. That would be two. It's it's so many. I would like him to see debate like all the coons today. (laughs) Like, like, and... (laughs) If you're a coon out there and you felt disrespected, then you're that person. <laughs> so we'll just start with that. And and you know, Michael Max, he was a great orator. Like he can speak his ass. He's a very great intellectual. So like, say he was debating like somebody like Candace Owens. Oh my God. Bruh. He'll probably make her cry. <laughs> so 
you know what I'm saying? I would like him to debate people like that. And, and I'm pretty sure. back Kim Trails family once again we're at the landing very powerful episode today I feel like we did a, a honor and a justice uh, to Malcolm X to his legacy and to what he believed in and what he fought for I appreciate my brothers Trader Dre and Mo Chris was dropping that intellectual dialogue for our listeners out there Trader Dre you got anything you want to end on yeah, man, I just want to encourage everybody, if you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and share everything you're hearing. This is something we take and we do with a passion. We want to make sure that everybody out there is getting something out of it. And if you don't agree with the, the perspectives, we want to hear about it. Give us the feedback. Let us know. And you can do so by joining the group on Facebook. That's the Kim Trails Podcast group on Facebook. And uh, we welcome, we welcome you. We would welcome you to the group, and we welcome your opinions because, like I said, we open to it, and we're not trying to turn this into anything that's going to be a divisive aspect. But the purpose of our podcast is to have an elevated discussion, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, Mo yeah. Chris, a historian, what you got, bro? Man, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to us. I feel like we pay homage to the great Malcolm X. To leave some reference to everybody. There's an autobiography of Malcolm X we're discussing. I think it, because he never really fully completed his biography or whatever when he was alive. So <clears throat> y'all can check that out. I haven't personally read it, but I heard some reviews on it. Check out the movie, especially all the millennials or people that did never watched all their black movies growing up. <laughs> you, that, that is out there. There's people that have not seen like coming to America, Malcolm X and color purple, like, Oh my God, where are you? What have you been doing? I don't know. So check that movie out. Special Malcolm X is with Denzel Watson and Angela Bassett. She played Betty Shabazz. She was awesome in that movie. I like to thank everybody for listening. And Oh yeah, go ahead. AP, take it up. Ah, uh, no, I appreciate you more, Chris. All I was going to say is, man, I'm just thankful and honored to be black. I don't think we say that enough. But, I mean, it's a blessing. I mean, yeah, we catch a lot of hell, and a lot of stuff don't go our way, but I think we can overcome that. And I'm just, like I said, I really am. I'm proud to be black. I'm thankful for Malcolm X. I'm thankful for Martin Luther King. I'm thankful for all the ancestors that fought for us to get to where we are now so that we can be having this podcast and we can be having these elevated discussions because without them, we're not doing this right now. And I don't think, I think we take a lot of stuff, take a lot of stuff uh, for granted. And we just got to, you know, just sit back. I know Dick Gregory says this all the time when you stop and think about it. We just need to stop and think about it and just think about how blessed we are, where we are, the people that got us to where we are. And we need to make sure that we are honoring that, keeping that going, paying it forward. And on that note, we out, baby. Kim Trail. We out. <laughs>
Hey, Chemtrail listeners, want to leave a message? Just click the link in our show notes to leave a voicemail. And if you come from a simpler times like myself, just call. Leave us a voice message at 832-308-0529. And don't forget, all messages can record up to three minutes long. What up, what up? It's your boy AP. Make sure you follow us at Chemtrails Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Hit us up. Once again, that's Chemtrails Podcast at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Peace out. Get your voice heard at www.chemtrails.mn.co. Join the community. talking god damn hey <laughs> that, that was the takeoff Woo. <laughs> <laughs> i might have edit some of my part now <laughs> we definitely gotta edit me down <laughs> hell y'all just be god damn man i don't even need no damn mediator man y'all just debate